Hi friends, welcome to Making Disciples, uh, the podcast. It's so good to have you with me. Uh, my name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. And this episode uh, is going out Monday the 13th of December. We're flying through Advent. Of course, you might be listening to this on a different day that it's launched. Uh, but we're in the middle of Advent right now. This is probably going to be the last episode that I'm going to put out uh, for 2021. I want to spend a bit of time preparing and get ready for Christmas and get myself ready for the new year. We've got so much going on next year. I'm dead excited. Uh, I've got two books coming out in the first uh, four months of 2022. Uh, the first book coming out is the Bible book by book, the second edition, an updated version uh, of the Bible book by book. So I'm going to be doing some podcast episodes next year uh, looking at the Bible. The cool thing about that book is it's all about uh, when you stand in a particular location or if you know the particular place that the things that were said in the scriptures were said, you go to that location. As you read them, you see things that you might not have seen uh, if you just simply just sat at home and read that passage because the locations transform how you read them. And the Bible book by book is an exploration of each book of the Bible, looking at the writers, its history, uh, what what we kind of talk about as, as the, 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 the landscape that book existed in, the uh, topography and the geography of that, that landscape and how that might change the way that we see the text or understand the text. So that book's out in January. And then I've got another book, Restore, Renew, Rebuild, looking at the uh, story of Nehemiah. And that's coming out for Easter and Spring Harvest, which I'm dead excited about. Uh, Spring Harvest Conference that I uh, help lead on the leadership of is happening at Easter next year after a couple of years off uh, because of the pandemic. We're back. And the whole week we'll be exploring the story of Nehemiah through the eyes of Jesus and through the life of Jesus. So really excited about those two books. So I've got so many podcast episodes uh, planned and in the pipeline as we explore those. I've also got some really exciting special guests. You have no idea how excited I am uh, about couple of the special guests that I've got coming up. I won't going to say too much, but one of them is a cold case detective who uh, has done a cold case detection on the life of Jesus. And it's really interesting what he has to say. So you will uh, really enjoy the, the podcast episodes that are going to come out early in 2022. Now, today's episode, as we land this year, I want to explore the mystery of the incarnation. I recently did loads of research for a sermon that I was giving at my church on the incarnation. And I, I want to share this material with you uh, today. Because when we understand the incarnation, when we understand what it means for God to be in the flesh, it should rightly blow our minds. Uh, it is profound, it should be life-changing, and it should transform how you understand God. God is not a cosmic headmaster that's wagging his finger at you because you're in trouble and you're going to be in detention with the headmaster. That is not the God that we worship. The God that we worship put on flesh and blood. He moved into the neighbourhood. And if we understand who Jesus is, what he has done for us in the incarnation, it should blow your mind. So that's what we're going to explore today. The incarnation. What is it? What does it mean? And maybe how do we respond to it? 
So friends, I hope you find this episode interesting. Do give it a like, give it a share, give it all the standard stuff that I say every time. You know, tell people about this particular episode. It is going to be a little bit more theological in in, in its exploration. Uh, so I do hope you find uh, just some of the depth of it really appealing and interesting. So here we go. We're going to jump in in this episode entitled The Mystery of the Incarnation. So here we go. So I've got my cup of coffee to my side. I've got my Bible open next to me and I've got some notes I want to share with you. The Bible and coffee and the Holy Spirit. Come on, that's all we need, isn't it? So let's jump straight in as we explore the mystery of the incarnation. So I want to read to you from John chapter 1 verses 9 to 18 first, just to really launch us in. Um, The Gospel of John is one of... uh, for me, it's one of the most special of the four Gospels. I love all the four Gospels. To say they're a favourite uh, is dangerous. It's like saying when your your own children is your favourite. Um, you know, when you, you, you love all your kids. You know, all the Gospels are, are amazing. But but John, it's poetry and it's imagery as an artist. Uh, just, I love it. And it just says this in one John chapter 1. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So the the world didn't recognize its own creator. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That's, That's the people of God, the Jewish people. He came to the Jews, but his own people didn't recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Uh, So anyone that is receiving Jesus as Lord, receiving Jesus as God himself, they will become children of God. Not just the select few, the Jewish people, but anyone, the, the Jew and the Gentile, could become a child of God. Verse 13. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. I love that line. I just absolutely adore it. And he's talking about Jesus here, the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I, I, you know, Jesus comes as the truth. He comes to bring truth. He comes as the truth. And he does so coming not with a wagging finger, but with grace, with grace. So this John 1 passage is just amazing the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us i love food friends i love food food is one of the ways that people get to my heart if you want to woo me make me some food like food is uh, my way it's one of my love languages essentially and i am a meat eater look i'm not going to apologize after being a meat eater uh, I know it's good for the environment to let, eat less meat and we've worked really hard as a family, you know, 
years ago when Becky and I first got married, 500 grams of meat went between two of us. Then we got kids and that 500 grams went between four of us. We live now, many the seven of us around the dinner table many days, but sometimes there's even eight of us around the dinner table. And uh, we still make 500 grams stretch now to eight. So we, we eat less meat, but meat is uh, my uh, big love. One of the foods that I really do enjoy, I wouldn't say it's my favourite, but it's one of my um, ones that I really do enjoy, is chilli con carne. Chilli con carne. Uh, chilli con carne is chilli with con. Con means with. Carne means meat. That's where we get the word carnivorous from. So chilli con carne is chilli with meat. So if you make me a meal and you don't put meat in it, don't call it chili con carne. It isn't. It's chili with beans, or or it's chili uh, with chickpeas, or it's chili with lentils. Uh, chili con carne is chili with the meat, and that's what the name chili con carne means: chili with meat. Uh, so carne means meat, or it or it means flesh. So incarnate or incarnation translates as uh, in the meat or in the flesh. So when we say that Jesus came in the incarnation, we're saying that Jesus came with the meat on. This is not a vegetarian option. Uh, Jesus came with flesh. Jesus came with meat. Jesus is God in the meat. In, in other words, another way of translating it would be to say Jesus is God in the embodiment of the flesh. So Jesus comes to in, uh, in, uh, embody the flesh and to embody the meat. So Jesus is God with meat on. And I think this is it's really significant. Uh, we believe that God was Jesus was 100 percent God, 100 percent man. One plus one equals one okay uh, Jesus was 100% God 100% man you might be saying hang on but 100% 100% that's 200% Chris that doesn't add up yeah one plus one um, equals one it's bad maths but it's a good God you know Jesus is fully human and fully God all in one uh, it's it's a mystery and, and that's what's meant to make it so profound so why is this so important okay I want to say this firstly, God was never uh, there to be attractional. God never was kind of, actually to say never is hyperbole, because um, God sometimes does say come to me. But uh, God uh, was never this attractional God, come to me, come to me, come to me. As you read through scripture, you see God coming to his people, God coming to his people, God coming to his people, coming to set his people free. The mission of God, the activity of God and the behaviour of God is that of a God who is drawing close to us. Drawing close to us. I love the story of the prodigal son. And we're told that the prodigal son is working in the pig farm. Uh, he realises that he should go back to his father. He says that he turns around to return home. And as he's returning home, he realises that his father is is running towards him. And, you know, it says in James 4, verse 8, you know, draw near to God and you'll see that he's drawing near to us. And I, I love this idea that when we decide to turn and draw near to God, we find in that moment that the Father has already started drawing near to us. He's already 
on the way. The mission of God, the activity of God and the behavior of God is that God is coming to us. That's how God behaves. God is wanting to come to you right now. You don't need to try to get somewhere sacred. You don't need to try and go to some special place because God is wanting to draw near to you right now. Whatever you're doing, the incarnation, God in meat, God in the flesh, tells us that God is drawing near, that God is coming close. If you don't have the incarnation, then what you have is this idea that God is somewhere else and we've got to try and get to him. The incarnation tells us that God cares about here, now, this place, dust, dirt and blood. And God is coming to us. See, many of us would say that the gospel message is this. Humanity has sinned. God tried a few things. They didn't work. So eventually Jesus or God came to earth to redeem it. So humanity has sinned. God tries a few things. They don't work. So Jesus comes to earth. So this idea of creation then becomes corrupted. You have the corruption. So Christ comes for redemption to redeem it. Creation, corruption, and then Jesus coming for redemption. Uh, And that is totally and utterly true totally and utterly true jesus comes to redeem all things but if you believe that's all the incarnation is about is god coming to redeem humanity let me ask you this question for a moment and i want you to really pause and think about it if jesus came to redeem the corrupt creation does this mean that jesus wouldn't have had to come to earth if humanity hadn't sinned if humanity hadn't sinned would jesus not needed to have come is the incarnation only about sin management then is that what we believe the incarnation was only about sin management so therefore you could argue that it was good news that we sinned because it meant that jesus came and if we didn't sin then jesus wouldn't have come I wonder what you make of that. I wonder what you make of that. See, friends, I want to argue this. I want to argue that Jesus would have come anyway. I want to argue that even if humanity hadn't sinned, I want to argue that Jesus would have come anyway because the incarnation is more than just a sin management system. Jesus coming in the flesh, there was more purpose to him coming in the flesh than there was simply and you know very carefully using the word simply there because the cross isn't simple is it it's only not little it's huge but the incarnation is more than a sin management system it was more than jesus coming to die on a cross i would like to argue that there are other reasons why jesus came in the flesh on top of salvation i would argue that jesus was always coming he was always coming So there's five thoughts that go through my mind with this, uh, that the incarnation shows us something. So uh, number one, I would say is yes, the incarnation comes to show us reconciliation for the forgiveness of sins. You know, um, 1 John 4.10 says this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus is sent in the incarnation as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So it's clear Uh, Jesus comes in the flesh 
to make sacrifice for our sinful nature. So that is totally true. Please don't hear me say uh, the incarnation wasn't about this. No, it totally was. Jesus has come and in his coming, his death on the cross is for the salvation of sin. But I think there are other reasons why Jesus came in the incarnation too. So my second thought about the incarnation, why Jesus comes, is this. Jesus comes in the incarnation for love. He comes for love, that we might know God's love. So John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that we may not perish, but that we may have eternal life. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The incarnation is there to show us this amazing, radical love of God. The incarnation is a gift from God to humanity to show us uh, the love and care for his creation. The incarnation makes the love of God known. The incarnation makes the love of God known. Not as an almighty creator, not as a king on a throne, but comes to show us God's love as the boy next door. I love the story of Soren Kierkegaard. Soren Kierkegaard, a Danish uh, uh, philosopher, theologian, tells his story about a king who falls in love with his handmaiden in, in his kingdom. And he realises that if he goes to the handmaiden and declares his love to her, she would only uh, become his queen and marry him because he was the king. The crown on his head, the authority that the crown had and the throne that he had would meant that she wouldn't be able to say no to him. Will you marry me? Well, you're the king. I can't say no. So he realises he can't go with the crown on his head because she'll only marry him because of his power. So he goes, well, maybe I could go down there uh, with my horses and my chariots. You know, modern day we say tanks. I can go down to her and I can declare my love not as king. And one of his servants says, yeah, but if you do that, king, then she's going to only say yes to you because you're surrounded by military vehicles. Your 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 power uh, within the kind of military world, that's why she's going to say yes to you. She's not going to say yes to you because she loves you. She's going to say yes to you because uh, you're there surrounded by these tanks, these horses and chariots. And the king realises the only way that she will ever love him is that if he stops being king, stops being ruler, but becomes the boy next door. So uh, the story goes that the king takes off the crown, he takes off the robes, he gets the house next door and he puts on the rags and he woos her with his character, with his behaviour and with his love. I love that story because that's the story of the incarnation. The God, the creator of the universe, the almighty, the powerful king, the glorious one, chooses to put on flesh and blood, the incarnation, God in me, puts it on so that he would become the boy next door, so that he could woo humanity with his character and with his nature. The incarnation tells us that this is a God of love who comes to reveal his love through being in in relational, uh, intimate, relational person uh, to us. So the incarnation reveals to us God's love by the, the choice of taking off 
the heavenly almighty um, king to become the boy next door. So the incarnation reveals to us God's love. The other reason for me, the third reason for the incarnation is it reveals to us the, what we would describe as the divine life. And the revelation of the Trinity it was revealed to us through Jesus' coming. We suddenly start to realize in Jesus that God is more uh, than just uh, the Father. That there's, there's someone else, there's another person and persons to the Trinity. And uh, in 2 Peter 1.4, it says this, Through these things, he has given her, us his very great and precious promise, so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world because of the evil desires. The incarnation reveals to us uh, that we believe in a God of Trinity, who's a God of relationship, and that this God is now inviting us into something called the, the divine nature, and that God is uh, now inviting us into it. So in some ways, the incarnation tells us that in the way that Jesus uh, was in the flesh, we now are adopted into Jesus, and we are now robed in the divine nature. If Jesus is now was robed with in us, then we are now robed in the divine nature. The incarnation shows us how, that God is responding to us by robing Himself in flesh, so that the flesh may be robed in Him. So let me read it to you again. Uh, through uh, this, He has given us. His very great and precious promise that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world because of our evil desires. So Jesus uh, reveals to us uh, this beautiful character of God robing himself in us so that we may now be robed in him. So C.S. Lewis puts it like this. The Son of God became man to enable man to become sons of God. Let's be really careful here. We're not saying that we are God. We're not saying that we are God-like. We are not saying that we are God-able. We're saying that God is able, the Spirit of God is now in us, and that we are now able to participate in this divine nature. We are able to encounter and live out something of this divine nature. So the incarnation reveals to us the ability of God to put on the meat so that we as the meat can put on God, his robing. The fourth thing I would say uh, about the incarnation is this. Jesus had to come not just to die for our sins, but for what I would describe as modeling uh, a holy life. So Jesus came to show a way of life that was lived out with God. So uh, John 14, 6 says this, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus models. Now, it was really interesting uh, at the beginning of um, uh, Matthew chapter 5, it says this, 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but I've come to fulfill them. Actually, one of the ways that you could translate that phrase fulfill them is put them on. Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the Old Testament. I've not come to abolish the laws. I've actually come to put them on. Uh, I've come to show you what they look like lived out, in other words. So the incarnation is modeling to us the way 
of God. Jesus comes in the incarnation to show us what it looks like. We would have said that the things that God demanded of us as human beings were unrealistic. Uh, we would say that's just too difficult. It's just too hard. We can't do it. We would look at the things that God was asking of us and we'd say, we just can't do this. So Jesus comes to model to us uh, what God expects from us. So Jesus comes to model love. He comes to model miracles and signs and wonders. He comes to model grace. He comes to model holy living, what he expects from us in our Christian ethics. Jesus comes to model servanthood. He comes to model caring for the poor. He comes to model authority over evil power. So Jesus comes to model a way of life that is riddled with God. He comes to model it for us and show it to us. So the incarnation, friends, is more than Jesus just coming to die for our sins. The incarnation is also about Jesus showing us the way of life of God lived out in the flesh and blood. Hey, kids, it is possible. We can live like this. We can live like Jesus expects because Jesus has shown us how to do it. It becomes uh, the one that models it. it. Becomes the one that models it. Uh, J.I. Packer says this, the more you think about it, the more staggering it is, the staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so realistic as the truth of the incarnation. I love that. J.I. Packer, you're right. The more we think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is, is as fantastic as the truth of the incarnation nation so jesus comes to model it the fifth thing i would say is this the incarnation comes for what i would describe as revelation jesus has come to reveal to us the invisible god god is invisible to us we're told that he is so sacred and holy if we were to see him then we would die uh, that we couldn't experience God in his full glory because we would be burnt up. So the incarnation is God coming to make the invisible visible. I argue that this is the character of God to make himself known to us. And that even if we hadn't sinned, then God would have come in the incarnation to reveal himself to us, to make the invisible visible Colossians 1 15 16 the son is the image of the invisible God Jesus has come to show us the invisible God to make the invisible visible the firstborn of over all of creation for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth the visible and the invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him so jesus comes in the incarnation to reveal to us this god who is invisible this is what is just so staggering for me jesus chooses to put on evil flesh so that we may see what is invisible in the heavenly realms Jesus putting on sinful flesh so we may therefore see 
what is in the heavenly realms. So for revelation. I want to end by just drawing us to this then. So for me, my argument is this. The incarnation would have happened if we'd have sinned or not. Jesus was going to come to do a whole number of things in the incarnation. Uh, and it wasn't just the salvation of our sins. It was much more it was about revealing lots of other stuff, as I've just shared. I want to end by bringing it, it to you for a moment. If you have said yes to Jesus, if you have said yes to his death and resurrection, you've said yes to what will be described as the salvation that comes through his death, from his atoning sacrifice. If you said yes to all of that, then I would say this, friends, we are now the incarnate of the incarnated God. So if God draws near to us in the incarnation, then we now, as people who embody Jesus and the Spirit, we are now the incarnate of the incarnated one. We are putting flesh and blood onto uh, the teachings and the life of Jesus. So we are the incarnate of the incarnated God. God draws near to us so that we can draw near to others. And for me, that is what is so jaw dropping. We now carry Jesus in us and we are putting flesh and blood onto the teachings and the life of Jesus. We are making Jesus known to the world. Uh, the invisible Jesus is made known to the world through his church, the fact that we're putting on flesh and blood in the same way that Jesus made the invisible God visible through his life. So the church is a community where God is now revealed in the flesh to the world. And that, friends, for me, is totally jaw-dropping. That that's how God wants to behave through his church. So, friends, I pray that you would find that inspiring. That the incarnation was for reconciliation, but it was also for love. It was also for a divine life that we are now invited to step into. It was for the modeling of a holy way of living, living out the teachings of of Jesus, but also the teachings of God found in the Old Testament. The incarnation was also for the revelation of revealing to us the invisible God now made visible in Jesus. The incarnation does all of this amazing stuff. And now we are invited to reveal that Jesus to the world through the flesh and blood that we possess on our own being and bodies. Friends, I pray that you have a really blessed Christmas. I pray that it's everything that you would hope and dream it to be. I pray that you would know the health uh, and the healing of Jesus. I pray that you would know his blessing and I pray that you would know his peace. Uh, and uh, friends, I look forward to spending time with you in the new year. So until next time, grace and peace. Peace.